Hey, this is Alex, and welcome to the second episode of Pizza Cat. Uh, this episode is away from DC and back in LA, where I've been for the holidays with family, and one of my oldest friends, Logan Marshall, is in the midst of releasing some of his first solo stuff, and he let me record a show with our friends in his backyard in Echo Park. Him and his partner, Sam, who's a, actually a brilliant photographer in her own right, uh, have a really cool apartment near Dodger Stadium that I've been to a few times, and it was it was a great place to do the pod. Um, our friends Jenna, Juan, and TJ were there too, and yeah, it was a it was a it was a really it's kind of a special time for me because I grew up with Jenna, Juan, and Logan in our hometown of Thousand Oaks, and they were actually the you know some of the first people I started playing music with so the pod actually turned into a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a love letter to our suburb which uh, yeah I was pretty stoked about finally a few notes before we start Logan mentions a band he's in called Young Set Club and you can get their stuff on all the all the websites all the streams right now Jenna plays her own music uh, under the moniker Isle of June and you can get all of her stuff as well. And then finally, Juan plays in a band called The Tambourines, which I do know how to spell, and they are uh, also on all of the streams and the websites. Uh, Sam, Sam and TJ actually do a lot of stuff, um, help out with the podcast, actually, and Sam uh, does all of the concert posters uh, for the podcast. And so you can actually find all of her own stuff under the moniker Doldrum Philosophy, uh, website, Instagram, etc. And then TJ does all the film work for the pod, and he's a local guy in LA, and you can find his stuff through his website, thomasjwilliamsphotography.com. Other than that, enjoy. Everything is good. It's recording. Yes. No, that's okay. Thanks for coming, guys. It's fun. Thanks, Lex, for putting it all together. Um, yeah, COVID is weird, but it's cool that we have this little space to have you guys hang here. So, um, I'm gonna play just a couple of little things I've been working on. Um, some of them are short, some of them are not as short. <laughs> um, this one is, is called uh, Lonely. Oh, 
Yeah, that's a short one. Yeah, yeah. that's a short one. That's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, I've been doing things that are like, they're almost just like little refrains. They're like, need to be fleshed out, but. Oh, they caught us! God damn it. Um, Alright, cool. Yeah, I'll do. This one is called How Do You Do? So, um, it's also strange because, like, how comfortable we were all performing, like, so long ago all the time. Just, like, so it's weird. I don't know. I'm feeling some, like, we're, we're gonna get to that nice, pod, bro. nice grounding nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna unpack that, bro. Yeah, we can, we, we can unpack that, bro. We're gonna unpack that. Don't go there. Don't worry about it. It's just so good to hear you sing. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a long time. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. I'm just sitting here. I'm the only one who gets to hear it. <laughs> Yo, why don't you share, Sam? I'm selfish sorry. of you. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, this one's another little short one. It's called uh, Why Would We? Thank you. 
lullabies Follow me It's hard to repeat Find your retreat It's miles under See what we Yeah, so it's like kind of the whole, the whole thing. Um, sorry, this thing's a little. I was telling Juan, this is like an old, like parlor guitar I got. It's like made in the '60s, so it just like falls out of tune every two seconds. <laughs> uh, the song's called Crazy. Killing me, this love bottom me. It's hard to see. That's the only thing keeping me on the beat. That's the only thing keeping me on the feet. Cause I just might have Prophecy that's filling you with a jealousy ridden bad attitude. He's the only one making you doom and gloom. He's the only one making you act a fool. So why try to have another? Kind of mine, yeah.
there. That was amazing. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. You can, uh, this is the, I'm opening up the plug bag. You can check out that album, Young Set Club, <laughs> on Spotify. Self-titled, they released last year. Closing up the plug bag. <laughs> that's a Pandora's box, man. Sam's the only one that got that right. Yeah, that's, a comedy, that's a comedy bang bang reference. Oh, okay. oh shit. Okay. For those of you. I'm just not hip enough. You should have taken full credit. Oh, yeah, you like the plug bag? Yeah. I just thought you were, I was not as pure wit. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> pure wit, that, that guy! Later. Like that yeah. One. Yeah. Well, the, the 50 listeners of Pizza Cat are all like, that's a Cody Bang Bang joke, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Why don't you cite that shit? You can just edit it in post. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Post, guys. Mm. Contains Cody Bang Bang joke. <laughs> <laughs> Please do not sue. <laughs> <laughs> All rights reserved. Okay. That's another young set song from that album. It's called Frisky. You did feeling so legit. Where's another hair? Feeling a little frisky and Do you really miss me? Not at all. Sick of all your shit all the time. We're so bad. It's a crime I know where what you want It's alright I know you wasted all your time I know what you're Feeling so equipped Where's another air? Feel a little frisky night Do you really miss me? Not a bit Sick of all your shit All the time We're so hip, baby It's a crime I know what you want It's alright
you. Thank you. Okay, guys. Thank you all for coming. This is, I think this is cool. This is the, this is by far the coolest thing that I've ever done in my life. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a low bar. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like friends and pizza. Um, but yeah, so uh, what I like to do is like um, just quick intros. Is that cool? Sure. So, yeah. Logan to my left. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Logan Marshall just did a cool set for us. Yeah. 30, uh, 30 minutes. Was it 30 minutes? Probably clocked in at like, oh, we'll say 30-ish. 30-ish? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Sweet. I'll You're being take hosted it. in your beautiful house. Yeah, it's nice, right? In Echo Park. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah. My, my, inner, my inner cancer has like the host gene, so I'm just like, this is nice. You're host gene, dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sam, hey. Samantha, Norris. What's up? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Also hosting us in your beautiful house as well. You're always welcome. Thank you. You are a photographer extraordinaire. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're gonna keep that. That's recorded. Cool. 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 Um, thank you for coming, Sam. Jenna, yes. AKA Isle June, singer songwriter extraordinaire. Thank, thank you. you for coming. Say hi. Hello. How are you? So good. Fuck yeah. Pizza's great. Pizza's great. Friends are great. It's great. Music's great. Music's great. Um, thank you for coming, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Juan, you're eBay. Hello. Guitar player extraordinaire. I am a guitar player. Wow. Uh, in the Tambourines, local yes. LA band. Super tight. Tambourines, yeah. And working on a, I'm working on a new project right now that it's not named yet. Working through the band name process, which is interesting. Fun. Interesting. Um, Tell it, tell the, tell the, tell the folks how you spell tambourines. Tambourines. Yeah. The same, the usual way you spell it. T -A -M -B -O -U -R -I -N -E -S. Is it? A M B O U R I N E S. Okay. Tell us how you spell tambourines. Yeah. Let us know here. that one. Like, yeah. Who is in tambourines? It's like, it's like, it's like. I guarantee you. It's like theater. It's like T E R and the T R E. It's the British spelling. spelling. It's like the British spelling. <laughs> a little bit. I don't think that. It's that's like color. <laughs> Talking about practice, okay. Um, TJ, how are you? Hello. Filmmaker extraordinaire, TJ Williams. That's so kind of you to say. I'm I'm a kind guy. I'm a nice guy. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for filming. Thank you for taking all the pictures. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for having me. Logan, Sam, hosts. Yeah. So cool, cool. Everyone's here. That's great. Um, what I wanted to kind of start with, Logan, was equipment. Yeah, I want to talk equipment. Okay, because uh, your choice of microphones, your choice of guitar, your choice of strings, etc. Okay, does that is there is there an imperative to that? Do 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 you choose the stuff that you yeah. have to get to a certain sound? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, th there are definitely acts that I think are a little bit nerdier about gear than I am. I I kind of like having constraints like i kind of like figuring out a piece of gear like as much as you can and i think you can find quirks in cheaper pieces of gear too so i feel like i've always liked working like i, I i've never had like a bunch of money to blow on like expensive <laughs> gear to begin with yeah. so like so i think it's also like a necessity thing but like 
yeah, I think that you find certain pieces of gear that you gravitate towards and they become central to some of the things that you make, for sure. Yeah. But but you have a lot of pedals up there. I know you have a lot of pedals. I think it's a decent amount of pedals. They've also been collected over, like, a number of years, too. Okay. And, like, there are some that I, like, use, like, a bunch. Like, okay. um, yeah. I mean, there, there are some that I use more than others. There are some there that I don't really touch at all. So, but I'm not, I don't, like... I don't get too deep into like the nerding out about harvesting a bunch of gear because I think at some point, like if you do that, you'll use like some of them a little bit and some a little bit, as opposed to like really figuring out how to use like the four that you really want to use. So, you know? so Jen and Juan, did, when you guys saw Logan's setup, uh-huh. did the music sound the way that you think that you thought it was going to sound? His guitar and his microphone? Yeah. <laughs> or like the type of music, like the genre, if, if you will. Oh, no, I never know what's going to come out you of You never know what's going to come out? And I love it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. Really? I, mean, I didn't know what you are going to do. He played, he played a couple of genres. Yeah. Yeah. During that performance. So I think, I, I, yeah, def, I definitely didn't know from the setup. Like, no. Yeah, I, like some of those yeah. songs you, I've heard so many different ways. Okay. You know, played on different... In, different guitars and some played faster sometimes and I think it's more like you adjusting it to the set that you were playing here in some way yeah, yeah. I just bring it up because I feel like I judge people when I when I see their equipment gig, <laughs> and I'm like what's this cat gonna sound like you know like with, like, there's with like some indicators that I think tell you like Right. Like, give you that look like what yeah I mean if a guy's got a bunch indicators? of like line 6 gear and you're like <laughs> he's like rocking like a spider <laughs> and like every line 6 pedal and you're like nah, here we go this could be line. awesome yeah. but if chances are that's like the band memes account on, on Instagram have you seen that no there's a there's a meme uh, account on Instagram it's called band memes 666 and it like makes fun of like certain pieces of gear and like <laughs> tries to pretend like the spider is like his like favorite amp of all time but he's he's like an audio nerd that makes me so just, so yeah. so when so when you say line six gear it, it does have like a an implication of like of like very like nice thought out gear that that doesn't look like uh like a smorgasbord of like things right well, well the Where, thing about line yeah. six is that it's it's solid state it's right okay so that's usually why it, Sounds like poo-poo. Right. It sounds like shit. Especially the amp. If you have a like a solid state amp. It's, it's not even good if you go from solid Any amp with a knob that you can go from like blues to intense, like <laughs> metal or whatever the extreme like line six settings are. Yeah, I don't know. And I know because when I when we were younger, when we were kids, yeah. together, mm-hmm. I could only afford solid state amps. Yep. And they sounded terrible. Mm. It was you who had it? Yeah, or was it Travis? No, I had the solid state. Okay. I, I, knew, one, I knew one of us I did. Get, I didn't get an analog amp until... You had the Marshall the solid state head, the right? The MG mm-hmm. or the MG? Is that the yeah. one that? You, yeah. yeah that the white one was it white? It was white. It was red, and then I you painted have, it white. You right. painted your amp white? Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you want to unpack that? You had a red amp. So much judgment. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, so I yeah. need, but I needed a powerful amplifier because we were playing all these shows. Does the power come from the color of light or no? No, it was okay. just the cheapest half stack that they had. Yeah. It happened to be a red solid state Martian half stack. Yeah, yeah. And 
I didn't like the red, obviously. I mean, it was just a bright red. So eventually I painted it to like this like white kind of tan that matched the grill yeah. mm -hmm. uh, in a nice way. So. But you know, it, it's just funny because like, so I remember when <laughs> we used to, uh, or I, I had this video of Rage Against the Machine at the, at the Olympic Auditorium. Mm -hmm. And we were seeing the Tim Comerford having two bass was yeah, with like duct taped together. Yeah, and you would like you'd press would, them down the same you would time. Press them down at the same time. Yeah. It was so janky. Yeah, but it was so badass. I loved your bass wall. I like you I, took I, it from me. I for, did take it from you for a long, long time. time. Yes, I like essentially like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that thing is kind of crazy for things other than guitar or bass. If you're doing vocals to so like a bass wall for some reason, it like cycles through harmonics in a way. If you're like distorting it that sounds really uh, that's a nerdy thing i like the, the bass wall i got to make some like weird noises it was cool i, I mean it. so what what's uh for for this ep that you mm. so what before we jump into that tell us about one. your ep okay what you plan on releasing <laughs> yeah time frame for maybe you think you'll plan on releasing it yeah what's it called uh, it's, what do you go by as well? The only thing is, I'm going by Logzy. Is like why? It's it's like low hanging fruit. Everybody calls it like Logzy bugs yeah. and like other things nicknames. So it's like, like I don't want to come up with like a like I'll if I try to come up with something, it'll be something like contrived, pretentious shit. So like Logzy is like it's me. Like okay. and I've never really entered like released anything myself like individually like really putting stuff out there. Um, but you've always written your own music. Yeah. But this yeah. is the first time you've like done something on your own. This is some, the first time that I'm like trying to like have a proper release of something. Yeah. Why? Do you, why? Uh, why do you think that is? Ah. Uh, oh wow. <laughs> that's like a. Unpacked. That that's some that's some heavy, that's some heavy shit. unpacking. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would say that. Put the five like, minute mark. Well, sure. I mean, yeah. I have um. I have like really bad anxiety and depression that I cycle through and like, you know, some of those things that tell you that like your shit is not worth releasing are the things that you cycle through in your brain for years. And I think people who create things are like tend to be a little bit more prone to that type of mindset too, because the whole other half of it is you make something, but you also like want to like have a reaction to said thing, whether somebody says they don't or not, they still want some type of you know, some reciprocation of the thing that they're making. So I think I've like struggled over the years of like getting myself into a, a mental space where I'm like down to be comfortable with me make like releasing something to other people. You know? So, so you know, so, uh, so Jen and Juan, you know what's fascinating about that is because, um, because you and I have always played together, right? But it's, let's be honest, like you were writing that music, uh -huh. right? Um, which is similar to like, so I, so in a way, like, like, like you like being, uncomfortable about releasing your own stuff like when we would play together mm -hmm. but it would still be your stuff technically but it just wouldn't be your name yeah do you know what i mean like when we were in a band uh -huh. that music was yours like yeah. you wrote that music uh -huh. but did you feel the same like anxiety about yeah playing up okay Never yeah mind. yeah no i don't, I, don't I, I feel the same way even like playing with the band young set club that i play with with uh like jen knows sam very well um you know, and you know, you know, Sam pretty well as well. I mean, like we both kind of struggle with that type of thing. Sam just released something wildcats. Everybody should check out that release. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Wildcats on Spotify. Just check out his stuff. It's, it's great. Okay. Um, he got some other friends to help play on it too, but we, we, we've struggled with that. Like 
trying to push things out into the world type of thing. And I think I kind of like held back the band with that type of stuff too. Cause like, of just like anxiety that I've tried to, you know, deal with over the years. <laughs> it's daunting. Yeah. It's so much work and like, it's, you put all the work into the music. And I mean, that's like the bulk of your time and energy and heart and soul. And then you gotta like do the entire release of mm -hmm. it and create content around it and like be an expert marketer around it. It's like, it's really a lot. It's a lot of work and then when nothing happens, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's like what you sign up for, but it's us. Yeah. It's a bummer. What is it like being starting Isla June? What was that process like for you? Literally the same. Hadn't been, was too scared to be an artist. Okay. Roped Juan into another band with me. <laughs> you know, he was like, we're done, we're done with this. Like, this is not what we do anymore. Mm -hmm. We're buds. And it was true. And like, once I, <laughs> once Juan and I let each other go, is when I embraced Isla June as like me and my project and took full ownership of it. And that was like, you know, from Walter <laughs> Prize days to now, yeah. I feel it. I'm on the same timeline where it's like, it just, it's scary to own, feel totally like you're owning something. And it's a lot of work. Where does like, um, what, what are like some indicators that, like when you finally feel ready to like release your own stuff, like what's a good indicator of like, of like okay like what's the, what's the threshold where you're like oh wow i'm ready to do this like what what juan's released more than any of us i feel like yeah. i feel like he's probably more well equipped to like what's like when that. do you like when do you like <laughs> when do you feel like it's like is there like some is there like a specific barrier that you have to cross in order to like start releasing your own stuff to get over that hump that jen and Lord are talking about i usually for me it's just writing a song that i'm stoked on like, I think the thing that most people don't see is that probably 90% of the stuff that I write is bad, mediocre, mm -hmm. uh, 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 a ripoff of something else. But <laughs> so then true. I will f find something. But how do you know it's bad? How uh, do you know it's uh, like uh, mediocre? Because. I mean, how do you know? I, you I feel it in okay. your gut. Okay, okay. You, ha you have that sense it's in your gut. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know when I'm feeling like truly inspired, when things are coming together, when I'm like a part and a melody and the arrangement and all this stuff is coming together. When you have amassed an, a, enough good ideas on top of each other on a song, that's what I'm like, yeah, yes. this, this is it. Juan just released a song like that, which is my favorite song he's ever Which released. song? You uh, and Me. Yeah, right? it's a song called You and Me. Yeah, that, that, that tambourine is just oh, great. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It's yeah. so good. I yeah. sent it to, it's like one of those songs where I was like, everyone just needs to hear this, so I'm just gonna send it to everybody. <laughs> just, I just want like my brother to hear it, and you know, my, my boyfriend to hear it. I, just everybody listen to it. <laughs> it's it's, so it's released through tambourines? Yeah, yeah, that was a tambourines release, and it kind of is what's spurring this new project because of this. Well, tell us about this new project. This guy, this friend of mine, John, who I played with in college that now lives in, uh, in Maryland, in Baltimore. Um, he, we used to play with each other in college and then he moved back out with where he grew up and stuff. And we hadn't really, I mean, worked with music together because we were on like, long distance. But now that we're in quarantine and stuff, we were working on a song, we were just sending stems back and forth to each other. And uh, he originally actually inspired the, the melody for this song, uh, for you and me, for the verse. So 
um, I kind of like started working with him on finishing that song and then we decided to work on uh, a cover, uh, this Emma Rhodes cover, because uh, he like had just passed away and we were like, let's, let's work on one of our favorite Emma Rhodes songs, uh, Somebody Made For You. Um, and then we started working on another original and another original and I think we're, and then we just kind of decided like, hey, let's just make a project. So uh, it's me, Miles, uh, who's my songwriting yeah. tambourines, and this guy John. Yay! Can I ask a question? Of course. Okay. Doing like a solo project versus working with someone else, even when it's a song you write, right? So for you, like tambourine, you know, Young Set Club, you're writing that song. But it takes on a different life when you're like collaborating with other people in some capacity. I guess it's like, what, how do those feel different to you? And also, just do you feel like the song when you're collaborating with somebody becomes like a group song versus like your song even though you're the one that started writing it you know or does it still feel like your song that you wrote i think there's a spectrum to that i mean like it's not like one thing or the other um i don't know i feel like the and like there are different methods by which that happens when you're writing in a band too like somebody will have like a piece of a song that they bring and like Get built around and jammed on and built around that or like somebody has a fully fleshed thing that comes in and everybody kind of like even just by playing it kind of brings their own thing to it but um are you asking like is there like you feel like less ownership over something or yeah, feel do you like it's feel just like yours? less personal ownership over something or does it still do you still feel like the primary writer of this song or something you know, like they credit, you look at the Beatles, they'll like credit like certain Beatles with writing a song, right? Right. But it's yeah. like, really, it's like a group I, yeah. collaboration that makes that song. Like, how do you look at it when you're the one writing it? And I, I personally you know. still will take credit for myself. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there. With the caveat that I don't think that they'd ever get to the place that they are without the collaborators. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are yeah. certain things that even though the song is basically still the song, with if you take out the stuff that the people I collaborate with add, it's still the same song, but you can't deny the fact that it's been injected with something different. And usually, oftentimes, just having something that has a different feel that's being expressed in a different characteristic, mm -hmm. it adds something to the song that makes it better. Yeah. And I think collaborating, I, I love collaborating. I don't like, I don't want to use solo material because I prefer the way my stuff comes out at least one other person. Yeah, sometimes I, 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 hear, I hear my song in a way that I know I can't express it on my own. But the song that I hear is not the song I am playing by mm. myself in my room. Mm -hmm. It's the song that has specific people attached to it that I hear on it and like that I know will bring it to life in just the way that I am envisioning, but just like don't have the skill set for. So sometimes I feel my songs are more like, I'm, I'm more loyal to them and love them more when other people are on them because mm -hmm. they just like express the full idea. I'm very limited yeah, in what yeah. I can do by myself. 
like they take on the life that you had envisioned yeah. in the beginning. And like I yeah. invite everyone part of it to feel ownership over it, but if they don't, it's like whatever. You know, you don't <laughs> have to feel like invested in it, but at that point it's it, it is what it is because of other people and honestly less because of me. Like and mm-hmm. you can write good songs all day, but the way a group of people bring it together and like their minds you're never gonna get that kind of perspective just working alone. I think that's why I was scared to like be a solo artist for so long because I did. I know I don't have that capacity. Hmm. But then I realized that you can co-write, so. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really boring to me. Yeah. Juan was like, I remember Juan trying to convince me to like get some other writers on Isle of June stuff, and I was like, Juan, what? I, like, like, I can't write all of this I, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no. I was like, I guess I could try like. Someone who's not an Isla June though, like yeah. writing with somebody like who doesn't know me or my music, yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, there are people who like do that, like just that <laughs> that you could talk to and write with." It was so foreign to me, and now that's all I do, and I can hardly remember what it was like to just write shit alone. Mm. Like scary. <laughs> it, it, so it so thinking about people who objectively songwrite, right, yeah. and you don't know you, but can just go into a room and be like, yeah. and just help you in the creative process what was it weird like figuring that out or like no okay i thought it would be it okay. really wasn't it was just like oh you play music cool me too all right let's write a song like you just fall into it you know it's obviously better if you vibe with the person but like you can write a song with someone you don't vibe with it, yeah. it can happen well i've done it many times and i'm sure most songwriters have and then when you get in a room with someone where you're like yeah this feels good like we're finding a thing that's new uh you know when those people, who those people are, because you end up just working with them again and again, and every time you do, it's like, it's a great outcome, you mm-hmm. know, and it's reliable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Juan, Juan was literally my only person that I did that with for many, many years. Well, and it, I never thought I could find another you. Man. <laughs> 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 I love you so much, so but yes, there are <laughs> so, so many writers, <laughs> and like it's amazing. And I, I mean, you helped me open that world up even like you pushed me in that direction I mean, I mean if we want to talk about that stuff yeah probably my first or second collaborator in my life. yeah so that's definitely so that's i mean interesting background no but that's but that's that's <laughs> honestly so when i was first thinking about this podcast this episode and logan inviting you guys i really did want to talk about because i've always thought about it in my head and i always thought it was sort of in a way lame but like, where we grew up, it was like this own little music scene. Dude. When we were growing up, when we were playing. Yeah. And okay. I thought about, like, the people that have come out from that, uh, out of, you know, Thousand Oaks, Westlake, fucking suburbia, white suburbia, boring fucking whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of... This. Ink- <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Yeah, really bad. Oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> well, man. Should I should I say we're from yet? Okay. Um, no, but yeah, from like Thousand Oaks, but also like a lot of really hip people that come out of that totally. as well. And I just I just wanted to talk to you guys about like, you know, growing up in that in that time where obviously we weren't thinking about this as a scene, but we were just playing every time. We were just playing everywhere. Um, what do you think goes into a scene? What do you think goes into like the makings of a scene, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know 
I can't speak to like now, like what's what's sure. as far as like what like constitutes a scene now. I think it's so much of a different dynamic. I think people are like sharing stems and like like digitally like things can take place as a scene like like a message board or some shit. Like it's like it's different. I feel like I'm sure there are like physical like little scenes and DIY scenes in like different pockets of suburbia or other places in the country, but I I feel like it probably takes on a different vibe because of the like lack of independent venues that are like willing to be able to host those type of things now. And I think like those places are disappearing like at a, a rate that's like scary for people who want to continue to have those type of spaces to perform and have scenes. So um, I would just say like having places that have open doors like that are probably the key to us being able to have those little showcases. Like Canoga Park was like our like weird little haven for a little bit there that yeah. we could kind of just like play whatever the fuck we wanted. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What comes to mind that was seriously like. Without it, I don't even know where I'd be right now. Is the Thousand Oaks Teen Center? Yeah. Oh, really? oh my God, the wow. Teen Center. That's, that's where I met shit. you, Lex. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, that's where I met you. Not only did wow. you guys met there. Yeah. yeah. Not only did I take guitar lessons there. Like, I, I mean, I learned a little bit of guitar from my dad, but my guitar lessons were at the Teen Center. But most of my early bands rehearsed in the Teen Center. Wow. As well, and it was just one of those spaces where you could go. I I met other musicians there that I. And I went to a private school with 28 other kids in the class, so... Yeah. Like, the teen center and other places like that, well, that's where I found I was on the I was on the teen advisory board of the Thousand Oaks Teen Center. Yeah, that was definitely one of those places. Because I would go there every day and fill out no. my name and use the rehearsal space there and go play basketball there. Yeah. Did you guys know? Like, I remember when I got to college, I. I found out that like what we had was very special. Mm -hmm. Did you guys know that? Like while it was going, I had no. I thought every. I don't think any of us. Knew I thought everybody time. just yeah. had a really sick music. <laughs> no. With like, <laughs> I mean, this it was it's super unique what what we had. Yeah, man. We are really yeah. suburb, and I think that yeah. that plays. While we maybe didn't realize that at the time, I think that did play a factor. We would play shows in the valley yeah. right. with LA bands, yeah. right? The Cobalt, the, yeah. for the example, guitar merchant. Guitar merchant. But that's so important, like seeing other bands from like other places you were playing like different types of music and you realize like you realizing like, oh wow, like other people do this yeah. and they're really good at it and I like their tunes too. The metal bands, the hardcore bands, the yeah. emo bands, oh the emo bands, the we were killing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. The scene was popping. It was Dude, popping. Can we can we talk about Kung Fu Corner though for yeah, like seven minutes, right. please? Yeah. Can you can you just explain for the audience what Kung Fu Corner was? Kung Fu Corner is literally a karate studio run by the Ichikawas, and they used to host uh, shows on weekends. Wow. And it was it was a fucking scene. <laughs> was mosh pits on the yeah. mats. Yeah, like dude. it was great. Where's the safer places to meet? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, mats on the floor, yep. you fall. And, and, and shows were three, what, three dollars, five dollars, yeah, super cheap. Yeah. That's the thing, like, it felt, it was, God, it was so, and packed, fucking mm -hmm. packed. Every, every Sweet. show you ever went to or played in the area was just jam-packed with people. Was it mostly hardcore bands and, like, streamer bands? Mostly hardcore bands yeah. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and emo bands. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. No, me either. 
That was Kung Fu Corner was fucking tight. I felt yeah. so cool going to the Kung Fu Corner. So cool. Oh, yeah, I smoked cigarettes. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so tight going to the Kung Fu Corner. But it Good did god. feel like separate from LA. Like it didn't feel right. like we were part of an LA music scene. It was very mm-hmm. much TO mm-hmm. and like more Park neighborhood Park. It was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I mean, it also like it seems like the theme here is um, a scene is really dependent on places to play, right? And yeah, places to rehearse, and places to do that shit. Churches, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh churches. My God, churches opening up for us yeah. every weekend, like Camarillo. all over the place. Uh, Dude, yeah. Rock City. Yeah, Rock City. Yeah. That's City. A place. Yeah. Dude, me and me and you used to rehearse at at. Calvary at Calvary at your church to, yeah. yeah and we would just show up there you'd bring your half stack oh and you'd fucking yep. blow the doors off <laughs> for hours it was like, it was like the jankiest <laughs> half stack <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. can we talk about well, Logan's was, half stack well I was gonna go there with uh, like when you talked about the solid state amps because it was like my dad's old Fender solid state combo amp that for some reason I would stick on top it had speaker outs quarter inch outs in the back so I'd like literally stick it on a speaker cab and like connected to the speaker cap which is so like unnecessary it was like, <laughs> like this, this combo amp was already like loud as all hell like so fucking loud and i was like no nah, i'm gonna plug the speaker cap in too and just like destroy Dude, people you're the loudest yeah. per- you're the loudest person I, I i had played with at that time oh yeah i was like yeah. wow here's the thing i think i think the first time i came over to your place was, i was probably like 15 mm-hmm. years old or something like mm-hmm. And at that time, I honestly, I could probably count the other musicians I knew on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so going over to a friend's house that had a half stack. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, this is sick. Yeah, dude. It's so big. That's like, that's all I knew about that. That and, was the uh, coolest thing. Also, Logan's <laughs> day one, Logan's day one did not give a fuck about like the neighbors no. or the yeah. blunt. Like it was always like, Eight, like turn that half sack to eight, and the garage is open. (laughs) I was like, I remember, I mean, like rehearsing at home, like by myself, like I would turn it to three, and my mom's already like, shut, like, no, turn it down. And like going to your garage. And you're like Ampeg piggyback. Yeah, my Ampeg piggyback, which is the shit. But like um, going to your garage and you turning it to eight, and then like me, like always like looking around, like, like the neighbors are gonna like, you know, all that stuff, like being freaked out, but like. It was just tight. Like it, that was my first experience of like playing loud, like playing yeah. loud music yeah. and not no caring. Earplugs. No, no, no earplugs. Never. Like just fucking just playing. Like that's a different experience than just like playing, like you know, turn to three, like in your room, like with your bud, like playing with the garage door open and like eight and like Bleh. like that's just a whole different thing that you have to experience if you want to like do that shit. So. Yeah, it was fun. Uh-huh. I, remember, <laughs> I remember seeing you guys like playing and I thought I was blown away by both of you guys' like, play. Oh. Incredible. But like I, that just like brings me back to like you know, you guys are like you guys are like the first people that like you guys jammed with each other and you're the first people that jammed with one another basically or that jammed with other like you had other bands and stuff. Well, we, we, we had, we had a, <laughs> it was Waterfall. Yeah, we had a really oh, we're bad, doing this. Uh, th- we're those doing recordings it. are probably somewhere. Like what? it was, what recordings? Did you start? We, 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 we started playing, playing eighth grade. So yeah. like we played with this other kid named Josh Comey. <laughs> yeah. And Whose we had, dad we, was a, his dad was like a, like a record producer, yeah. like, like audio engineer. Yes. And he had like a studio in his house, like up, up in the, the hills. Yeah. And we would go record and play there. And Josh was a terrible drummer, like like I love the kid, but like we like we're definitely like 
so unconsciously in eighth grade being like, yo, your dad's got a 60. Like, 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 like. I know, dude. I know, dude. But we all, we all. Hard to find. Hard to find. It is the suburbs, man. Do you like drums in the suburbs? Yeah, that's such a good point, though. Like, drums are so loud. Nobody wants that shit. No one wants their kid to, like, deal with that shit. be the person who has drums. No, absolutely not. But we played a pretty, like, particular terrible brand of like driven by me at eighth grade logan of like classic rocky type of like vibe it's like classic rock and like him being at the peak of alex being at the peak of his like chili peppers like rage like influence Such a yeah, good combo. yeah. <laughs> so, Red hot chili peppers. yeah it was it was it Whatever was bad you are, it works so oh, yeah it was hilarious i will dig this up at some point and in time for this podcast to be over, so you can end the podcast oh, with a oh, widow's, widow's Waterfall anything original. But, anything but, bro. Uh, widow's anything Waterfall. But, anything but. But you, you're asking if, if Logan was the first person I jammed with. Yeah, are you guys And I was about to say yes, but that's that's what's so weird, dude, because I've been in concert band. band. I've been in concert band since second grade. Oh, my God. So, like, I've always, like, played... But it's funny that I didn't immediately think of that as like my first musical experience. Well, that's just like playing pieces, though. Well, I mean, like, for sure. But you're still you're still collaborating with other people, technically. I mean, you, you don't yeah. think you it's are. Not you th- not. It's not but not. It, it, yeah. It's different. Like it's I, totally different. Like I played in jazz band in high school, oh, yeah. and then versus like when I had a band mm-hmm. that we like made our own songs, right. you know, or played our own covers right. and stuff. It's like a different experience than when you're like... And Lex is the first person I definitely like yeah. played music with. And I definitely like... You have those moments for those first person you play music with and you're like, this is crazy that you can do this with another human. Yeah. You know? You know, look like at that first moment where you're like playing instruments with someone that's the first time and you're like, whoa, like... <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's like a different cool. type of like connecting. It's cool. I don't know. It's... Yeah. Yeah. It is the best. And it's why we still do it. Yeah. We definitely yeah. had a similar connection. I feel like I remember the first time that I went over to Jenna's house and we just like went into her bedroom and wrote a song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'd yeah. never done yeah. that before. Yeah. And it was so easy. It felt easy. I thought it was like one of the best songs I'd ever written. It was a great song. What song was it? Was it some I, random song. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. But it was sure just, I could think of it or find some, yeah. find like an old voice memo but it, it was it was just like it was it was magical I, I know I was collaborating writing a song with another person for the first time it's totally different yeah. than like I'd like you know play covers with mm-hmm. my brother and been a couple of cover dance and stuff like that before that but yeah never written my own stuff to somebody else and I've written my own songs but like that was that was the cool that was such a cool experience. Oh my god, that was the best. Dude, songwriters like 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 you like you uh, looking at me and Logan and being like sort of like impressed with our playing ability. Like I've always been super impressed by your songwriting ability because I've never been able to do that. I've never been really able to kind of have that side of my brain where I can put words and, and music and progressions and all that stuff. It, it, it used to always frustrate me. It always me. blows my mind, though, because I feel like you could. I know. I mean, maybe. I like maybe. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, um, but cool. So, but, Logan, back to you. Um, your EP, mm-hmm. um, when do you think it's coming out? What's it called? How many songs are on it? Blah, blah, blah. Do you want to do that? Sure. Uh, there's probably going to be 
like six to seven songs there's like one song that i'm kind of messing with it maybe being on there or not mm-hmm. um i'm looking for the like the second week of january is kind of what i'm targeting right now i don't have a title for it at this point um but the stuff that i played earlier it's kind of like those little vignettes spaced within like other electronic like ambient music that i'm doing and like the ambient pieces that i'm making i'm also doing video pieces with those as well mm-hmm. so i'm gonna space out like the release of those videos as well there's one that's done so um like as far as the video itself the the other video pieces i'm still working on but all of the ambient work is done um i'm just recording these little vignettes i'm using like a little like like Tascam, like cassette machine up, upstairs that I'm kind of using as like a, a preamp and also recording straight to, to tape too. So. Why why are you using the um, the Tascam? Is that is that a, is that a sound? It's that become you very right popular to use those, but okay. like I also my dad had a little Tascam four uh, four track that I used to mess around with for a number of years, and I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, I never like recorded everything straight to it. Mm-hmm. And to like my point about like, having constraint like constraints on a rec- record, like I like. Like, I have four tracks to work with, like, on this piece. Like, how can I, like, maximize each thing that I'm recording to kind of make it sound uh, the way that I want it to sound? I, I like, I tend to like sparse, like, productions that are have dynamic range. I don't really, I'm not, like, big on maximalism. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like, I like just, like, producing that hell out of, like, the four to five elements you have in a song and kind of, like, utilizing did empty space i think empty space is like a slept on part of recordings <laughs> i mean that's you were saying how much you loved his space and in, in, in his tunes yeah yeah yeah, yeah like it, it's something that i feel like i don't often do it in my songwriting because i often write will write to beats and i'll just like yeah. i'll write the mute the chords first so i'll just do chord changes so i'll be like this chord change, this chord change, this chord change. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for you to get to an end of a chord change, for example, and then lengthen it for you to maybe add an extra half bar or a bar for you to do melody on it and stuff. Like that, I oftentimes, just because of the way that I write, I don't leave room for that kind of stuff. So I always love hearing that in other people's songs because I just feel like I always miss that kind of stuff. Like John Lennon's work. Do you, th- do you do you feel like you do that on purpose, like the space stuff? No, I I, I think it's like a subconscious thing with writing. Cause like I feel like if I write the way that Juan is talking about writing, where I'm sticking straight to like feeling like four bars or feeling four bars at a time and, and moving on to another progression, like my brain doesn't work exactly like that. And I've always admired on the opposite side people who can write like that. I. Uh, and I also can't get into like an emotional place with like a piece that I'm playing if I don't space things out. Like I like leaving that moment to like those moments that kind of like collect for the next phrasing or the next thing that's being said. It's like it kind of comes from just like loving ambient music and trying to take, you know, notes from that, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're at the 38 minute mark. I wanted to do like 45, so like seven more seven-ish more minutes. Um, one subject that I did want to talk to you guys about, which was um, a song structure mm-hmm. on your album. So, like, thinking of, like, you're thinking of an EP. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of seven songs. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking of what goes into that? What goes into choosing which songs to put on the album? Do you have any insight into uh, uh, which song goes into which number? 
and why, right? Like, like this song is going to be number one. What? I definitely have preferences. Okay, so like, which one is one? Which one is two? Which one is three? Etc. And no, is there any is there any situation where that comes before the song? Okay. Oh, I can't contribute because I've never written an album. Oh, well. Never. EP? EP? What? I no. I'm a I'm a singles gal living in a singles world. Well, tell us about that. Why Why do you think that is? Um, I think I've been talked into it and talked out of it so many times, and of writing an album. Yeah. Why? And like there was a moment last year when I was like, I'm gonna write an album, and then I realized I just didn't have a reason to. I don't know. It's not really my end game. Like. Uh -huh. I love being an artist, but I love being a songwriter more, and I just want to write songs. And I don't really want to think about like compiling them into an album and how I would release that and the money it would take to make it sound really good and cohesive. Like all that has just felt not unnecessary to me, just like not necessarily my path right now. Okay. It's something I would love to do. It's like on my bucket list, like write and record an album. Um, and I have enough songs that I could just put an album together, yeah. but I don't want to write an album like that. Okay. I'd rather be like much more intentional about it. Um, so that's why I never have. Uh -huh. And I like singles. I feel like as, you know, as much work as all of them are to get released, like they're all their own little worlds. And it's, I get to make like a little world every, you know, eight weeks or whatever, you know, every few months with a single. Whereas an album, it's like, it's, you want to be this cohesive thing. I don't okay. know. I think that's why you're seeing more EPs being made recently because I think there are people who want to like, I think the album format, like you're saying, kind of got tired and there was also like so much money in the music industry where it just became a vehicle to sell singles. So like yeah. albums were like, a lot of it with three quarters of albums were just like fluff, uh -huh. you know? Did you guys ever go to Record Outlet? That's what I was about to talk about. I've oh, got a bunch of stuff from Record I, Outlet. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love going to Record Outlet. The, uh, the bottom I bins. I my first record there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's next to Instrumental is where yes. I had my first lessons. Oh my God, Instrumental. Yeah, Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Boulevard. <laughs> is Record Outlet still there? Yeah. Do you guys remember Wally's World? I yes. That's still there. Yeah. No, it's not there anymore. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's too good. <laughs> when we were in high school, I don't know if he's around. I don't know what you're talking about. It was across, wow. the street it was across from, from Record Outlet. Yeah. Do you know uh, where the rock quarry is? Yeah. yeah. It's up in the quarry. <laughs> what? <laughs> there was this guy named Wally that yeah. owned this ridiculous, rickety ass music store. Yeah. Uh huh. Called Wally's World. Yeah, Wally's World. <laughs> that was like literally just like. Music junkie collected. What? Yeah. But he gave lessons. You go over there and you'd be like, "Well, I guess like this is like a usable snare stand." <laughs> <laughs> but it was tiny. It was really? a tiny shop. Yeah. I it bought was a, across I bought a, from the record store. You never know it was there. You, you have, can't you see it from the road. You have to. I bought like a board. cello bow from Wally's World. I'm pretty sure. It was yeah. just fun yeah. to go there yeah. because he's just a. Oh, older, weird, like just like a goofy guy, hippie, hippie yeah. He's a keyboard player, like a ripping keyboard player. Yeah, he used to give piano lessons there. That is crazy. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking it's about. A, it's a hidden gem that is crazy. of T.O. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think it's there anymore. I, I thought I knew everything about T.O. That's crazy. But I loved Record Outlet. I'm pretty sure it's a drug front, but I've always <laughs> loved it. I feel like so many stores on T.O. Boulevard are drug fronts. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. They have to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Boulevard. Nobody, nobody. I used to live on Teal Boulevard. It's been something. It's so funny that you brought that up because honestly, it's been on my mind forever. Yeah, Every time I was like, these are a dollar. How the fuck are you guys saying it? <laughs> it's impossible. No way. There's no one ever. It's impossible. A rug store. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, it's been there for 20 years. I, they're not making enough money to no. make ends meet. I, right, I guarantee you. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. This is where I wanted to go. This is actually all written down here. So I'm a great <laughs> moderator. Yeah. So, um, Guys, thanks so much for this. This was awesome. Um, I really wanted to do this. And um, I hope you guys had fun. Hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll gin it up and get something out in a week, maybe we can have something like that. And I'm hoping to get to you guys too. Ala June, Pizza Cat, Tambo, Pizza Cat, the English spelled Tambo. <laughs> so <laughs> You're like the pretentious. <laughs> Just say it. Just say what you're thinking. <laughs> Listen, I love British history too. Um, cool. Thanks everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, Alex here, and I really enjoyed this pod, and it resonated with me in several different ways, all of which I could do a full reflection on, um, hometowns and anxiety and equipment bias and drug fronts, a lot of things, um, but what stuck with me out of everything was this notion of the scene, and specifically the music scene we got into. What piques my interest is the idea of what goes into a scene, and specifically what variety of factors culminate into an organic area or space that cultivates a specific kind of interest, right? And when I was looking uh, this stuff up, what I found were a couple of things. And, f and first was a definition from Oxford Languages, which, which was quote, an area of specified interest, end quote. Um, yes, honestly, not the most exciting result in the world, but what struck me is how this meaning sort of leaves the bride at the altar, right? There's no indication of how this area does the specifying or why it does or when it does or who does it. Um, that definition sort of finds itself after the actual work to make that scene. So it's so it's unfinished kind of, you, you know, but when I started seeing synonyms is is when things started to resonate. So specifically when I came across music community. Now, community makes much more sense for our purposes because it implies relationships, it implies emotions and living. I mean, fucking humans, you know, actual people. I mean, you know, sure scene in and of itself is not static, it's it's capturing a moment in time, but again, there's a finality to it, right? You know, a, a scene starts and ends, whereas community in and of itself is perpetual. It's, it's, it's constantly redefining itself by those who inhabit it, right? And, and, and it implies movement, which identifies a really important part of the scene and music in general. Now, now what is even more fascinating is seeing how people think about the creation of those scenes, right? And 
obviously specifically music scenes at that. So like every <laughs> innocent topic in the world, there's a fucking TED talk about it, you know, how to build a thriving music scene in your city. And the presenter, uh, Miss Elizabeth Colwain, or oriented the talk into four subject matters. And she's asking these four subject matters to, um, or she's presenting these four subject matters to a hypothetical builder of, of, of a music scene in, in, in any place, right? First one being, what are our assets? Two, what are our challenges? And three, leadership and strategy. And then four, a compelling, intentional music brand. Yeah, um, you know, now with the last word being brand, you can kind of orient yourself to the general purpose of the talk, you know, which was, which was in a way selling something, right? You know, she, you know, she started out the talk by pointing out to various American music scenes of old, like grunge, um, in Washington, you know, hip hop and, you know, G-Funk in, in Southern California, blues in Memphis, and in a way was asking why. Right? Why does lightning strike in a bottle for these areas? Why can't we leverage those factors in repeatable ways for anywhere? And why can't we use it to our advantage? You know, you know, how do we how do we capitalize on, on this stuff? How do we how do we sell this shit? Right? In all fair questions and clearly intuitive and, and, and reasonable things to think about, you know, in this very niche vein, you know, the only irony is, you know, doesn't describing scenes, these scenes as lightning strikes, already demonstrate the most poignant reason as to why these scenes are so special, right? You can't manufacture a scene out of thin air, and especially one where the interest is as subjective as an art form like music. So I was reading this uh, article then from Michael Azerod from The Rolling Stone, and he wrote it in 1992, and it was about the Seattle grunge scene. And, and, and listen to him describe how, how the scene got to where it was. Quote, The Seattle phenomenon wouldn't have been possible without the network of college radio, fanzines, and indie distributors that sprang up in the wake of punk rock. Minneapolis and Athens, Georgia established the viability of regional scenes. Seattle's repressive liquor laws stifled live music, but recording was cheap. And in the mid-80s, radio stations KCMU and KJET supported local bands, which were reviewed, which were then reviewed by the late Backlash and the Seattle Rocket, which remained uh, the scene's respected commentators. Uh, Mark Arm from the butt from the band Mud Honey chalks it up to the two eyes, isolation and inbreeding. And like Minneapolis, Seattle is a relatively isolated northern city with heavy precipitation and little to do except drink and jam in the basement. With the population barely topping half a million, everybody knows one another. And while mid-80s alternative bands were busy imitating R.E.M. and the replacements, Arm says there was this one corner of the map, that, that corner being Seattle, that was busy being really inbred and ripping off each other's ideas, end quote. You know, these are some of those factors that can't be formulaically replicated, you know, and, and also what I, what I, 
what wasn't what I haven't mentioned or what I didn't mention were the roles played by other factors like like record labels like Sub Pop signing these bands and venues that that charge uh, uh, cheap tickets and the talent buyers who were setting up the bills with these bands you know the less sexy stuff you know which was perfectly captured in another piece by the Atlantic's Caitlin Curran in 2012 when she was accompanying uh, a few bands on their way to South by Southwest all the while briefly chronicling the rise of Austin, Texas's live music scene. And one constant theme throughout that article was the idea of affordability. Um, you know, from the undesirable neighborhoods, from the, I mean, the formerly undesirable neighborhoods, to the dwindling sources of revenue for bands, to the corporate takeovers of DIY spaces, the elephant in the room was revenue, it was income, right? And to cultivate any scene or any garden for that matter, as cultivate is a is a biology term, you have to constantly water and tend to your tend to your garden, right? And how does a music scene do that? Musicians, and where do the musicians go? Places where they can afford. So, so, so the idea of like you know a, a hypothetical music scene builder that's reading some supposed TED Talk how to in a, in a universe where you can then build whatever scene that fits your heart, the first question has got to be, how much is the fucking rent, right? You know, specific music comes out of specific areas for specific reasons, and, and that is what makes scenes special. Their randomness, their non-intuition. You know, and, and now what I'm not saying is the best way to get music is to leave people in seemingly difficult situations and see what happens or not advocate for resources to give communities who desire them. I guess what I'm saying is the, the answer is really not that complicated in a way. Affordability affords opportunities. And this is bigger than, you know, city planners getting musicians to come to their towns and, and to, to help them make the town hip, right? This is about commitment to cultural space. And part of that commitment is allowing those users of space, whatever that is, the opportunity to cultivate that space. Now, depending on where you live, affordability can mean different things. And it's up, but you know, either way, it's up to us to decide how willing, you know, we are as respective communities to create and sustain those places of space. Get is recorded on the Atree Corridor in Washington, D.C., created by Alex De Silva and Kelly Garrett. All art is directed by Kelly Garrett. Photography by Alex De Silva and Samantha Norris. Mixing and mastering by Katherine Anderson. And videography by T.J. Williams. <laughs> <laughs>